You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit pipelineplus.com. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today our guest is Mark Hunter, who's a principal at the Glen Maple Group. Mark, great to have you with us today. Thank you, David. Great to be here. Mark, tell us about your background working with professional services firms and what you're doing now. Sure. My career started, say, the mid-late 90s. I was actually designing CRM solutions. So the idea of client experience is one that's near and dear to my heart since I started working. I currently own, a, as you mentioned, a firm called the Glen Maple Group, which offers marketing and communication services on a fractional basis to professional services firms. So the concept is, or the idea is, firms that don't need a full-time chief marketing officer, director of marketing, but needs those skill sets can hire our group in on a you know one day a week basis, two days a week basis. It saves them some money, but it keeps us fully integrated with their team. So rather than just say on a traditional consultant where you might be brought in on a project, the idea is that you're there for the long term and you're truly a member of, of their team. From my perspective, I've been working with with lawyers for over 15 years and another five years with engineers and scientists. So the idea of working with professionals is something I've done a lot of. And I also have another 10 years working in the high tech and automotive spaces. So working on the consumer level and the business to business perspective, you know, we are able to offer those skills to companies in the need. Well, I look forward to drawing from the various verticals where you have extensive experience for our conversations today. And, you know, one of the things that really piqued my interest when we had a preliminary chat preparing for this episode was the topic of client experience. I don't hear CX, as it's referred to, discussed very often in the legal vertical. I'm hearing it a lot more in the accounting vertical and consulting vertical, some of these other professional services verticals. But law firms are a little bit slower to pay attention to the impact of client experience as a discipline. Can you talk about your perspective on that and why it might be getting a little bit more attention in legal now? Sure. I think for, for lawyers, the, long, for the longest time, they could just come to a client and say, I've got all the experience. You need my services. Hire me. And people don't want that anymore. So in my thought is, you know, the, the idea of, great, you have this legal expect, this legal knowledge. That's an expectation. That just gets you in the door. So what's that next step that's going to make me want to bring you on, keep you on as my counsel? We're in a very highly customized world today. Whether it's order your pizza or how you buy your legal services, we want things in a way that we want things. The client's expectations have changed because of that. So I think lawyers are now beginning to realize that they can't just put together a proposal without ever asking the client or or potential client any questions. They can't just put a team of people together and say, this is who your group is, and we're going to solve all your problems. I think they're realizing now that the law firm needs to align with the client in the way that their values are, how they want to 
be how they want their work products to be created, how the teams are going to mesh. All of that matters more to the client now than ever before. And I think enough firms have probably lost clients because they didn't listen to what their clients were looking for, that they're out now starting to realize the client experience is something that um, needs to pay, they need to pay more attention to. Now, if you ask any law firm, were you taking a customized client-centric approach to everything from proposal building to service delivery, they will all tell you, of course we were, Mark. What a ridiculous question, right? But I think the distinction here is that client experience as a discipline with metrics that has a specific objective that the firm is working toward is actually the new piece to this. Not the idea of being client-centric, but rather introducing this as not only its own discipline, but even eventually its own department with CX leadership and CS infrastructure. And just to reiterate what you were saying just now, you know, the economic downturn and COVID have shown law firms that this whole, well, you're lucky to work with us attitude that was very much prevalent in decades past really doesn't work anymore. And we can't afford to have transactional relationships with our clients on any level. We really have to, as you say, customize that experience to the client. But rather than just kind of using our gut to do this or relying on what seems to have worked in the past, firms are starting to become a lot more pointed about how they define that client experience. And it it spans from everything, the client's first interaction with the firm's website that's the beginning of the experience to every communication the client receives from the firm to the engagement letter to the service delivery to even having documented service standards of excellence which again most firms don't have right this associate does it this way that partner does it that way and there's very little control in place to ensure a consistent client experience that ultimately, as you say, is customized and also ensures that clients will stick with counsel because they just feel like, no, you're my firm, you're my lawyer, you really understand my business, you really understand my needs. So I'm interested in your perspective on how CX plays out practically in terms of, you know, specifically what are the clients experiencing that elevates that level of service delivery that really sets one one firm apart from the others? So I would say that the in-house counsel is looking for their external providers to be an extension of their department. They want you to know everything that's going on in their group. So you're providing solutions before they even know they have a problem. If you're that ingrained with, with your client, then they're going to stick with you forever uh, because you you are part of their team in a sense. The metrics are great. They're super, they're absolutely important to make sure you're achieving the goals you you've set out to them. And when you do have to respond to that proposal again, you can say, here's all the great things we've done for you as you asked. And here's all the extra stuff that we've done for you as, as uh, value adds to make sure that this program is, is what it is. But, you know, even going further back to then just say the associate does something one way and the partner does something another way. It goes even to the point of how's the receptionist treat the individual when they come in the space? How does, you know, if you have, if they're lucky enough to have service groups that are coming in and providing the coffees and what have you, what's the feeling that people get when they come into that? 
the idea that the lawyer is more important than the client, that concept is dead. If you actually want to maintain or build your practice, you, you can't be into it for, you know, a transactional relationship. I don't think you're going to be able, you will be successful doing that. That's a really and great you, point. I, I, that's a really great point. I think that many times the firms are unclear on what are the three or four principles that define the client experience at our firm. And have we ingrained those principles into the way the receptionist answers the phone, the way that our lobby architecture is designed, the way that we, you know, if you walk into a lawyer's office, do you see a stack of messy files on a desk somewhere? Because that may not necessarily be communicating an excellent client experience, right? The client looks at all that and says, geez, is my file buried somewhere in that mess? How can I expect this person to be responsive? How can I expect this person to be prioritizing me if they're so disorganized? All of these little things communicate and add up and sort of chip away at the client's confidence and ultimately create these negative micro experiences that can result in at least eroded loyalty, if not a severance in the relationship altogether. And, and understanding your audience is huge in that. So let's take, for example, a personal injury lawyer or you know, something in that sort of vein where somebody doesn't deal with lawyers on a regular basis. They might want to come to your space and see old wooden mahogany and books and that sort of thing, because that's their impression of what a law firm's office looks like. But if you're a corporate firm and you're dealing in the financial sector, uh, oil and gas sector. They want to see this big lobby with nice artwork, beautiful views, because that's what their expectation is, right? So the, understanding your audience so you can build your spaces out and your brand out is significant in, in keeping those as well. Yeah, that makes good sense. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you've seen clients do in terms of adding transparency to that client experience so that it bolsters confidence in the brand. So again, going with this idea of the extension of their of their in-house counsel, people don't want to find out that there's hidden fees here and there. They don't want to find out that you missed something. They don't want to find out you made a mistake somewhere. You know, if you're talking about the transparency of things, you're always best to be upfront and let people know what's going on, then try to say thank you or sorry, say your apologies after that old idea of do now and, and apologize for it later is not great when you're dealing with your clients. Uh, you need to be letting them know what's happening at all times on their files, who's working on things, who's not. All of that matters. Taking it a step further, if you are a firm that's gone to the point of doing client interviews and you're making sure that you're building out those relationships further, it's all well and good to have the interview and ask the questions, you know, is, my lawyer, is your lawyer doing a good job? If they tell you no and you still leave that lawyer as their client relationship partner, you haven't listened to them. So they're going to feel like, what was the point of these conversations anyways? If you're not going to pay attention to what my needs are, how are we going to move forward? And so you're going to lose clients that way too. So it's that old adage of honesty is the best policy. It really is. And uh, the transparency component of that is huge. You know, so often we do see pushback from partners about this idea of client feedback interviews. And it's either it either takes the form of, I don't want other people talking to my clients, 
but the lawyers themselves are not willing to have the feedback interviews or they're not able to have them without getting a little defensive if there is constructive criticism. Yeah. Or it's what you just described, which is great. Talk to my clients. Let's get some feedback. Let's find out what the themes are and if there are any specific requests. But then the lawyers are either too busy or for whatever reason, not following through on the feedback with acknowledgement of, oh, we're going to fix this issue or, oh, even thank you for providing feedback, right? There's a real gap in the flow of that conversation so that it is beneficial for both parties and, and really becomes integrated into that client experience. You know, curious, what is your perspective on this? What is the cost to firms? You know, you touched on it briefly, but you, you've had other experiences in other industries where there's feedback with the customer and customization that results from that. Speak to that a little bit. Obviously, the biggest one is you just lost your client. But beyond that is they're not recommending you. They're not making a referral for you. You're not building your client base further. If you if you get that reputation as somebody who doesn't pay attention to your client, that's going to kill your practice. You really aren't going to get any get further ahead. You know, I think... We've all worked for companies and experienced the, the internal employee satisfaction survey, where your company has asked you a bunch of questions and says, how can we be better? And then they take that information and everyone feels great that they were able to answer these questions openly and honestly, and that it was all confidential. And then you never hear from your executives about what happened. And then you feel like, well, why did we bother? It's the same way when we're talking about clients. If you're going and ask them for their, their opinion on something, you better action those, those questions that they come up with or respond to those pieces of information that they want so they can feel that they're engaged in the process and they know that this experience that they're having is a two-way street and they can actually build on. One of the most important things about understanding your client's needs is actually being able to customize the products and needs that they have or that you're providing to them. We've talked about how lawyers don't necessarily want other lawyers in their firm talking to their clients because it's the they have this ownership about their client. They don't want to make they they might want to let, let's say they're the the corporate lawyer, they know they need employment help, but rather than letting the employment partner speak to the person the, the, the client themselves, they'll kind of work between the two. So th they're not actually helping build this customized experience for them. They're not paying attention to what the clients are looking for. And under, and then further that is to actually understand their business needs. You know, are you paying attention to what is being written about their, that company? Are you paying attention to what's being seen in the news about that company? Uh, are they a publicly traded company? You know, are you watching the stock price? Are you paying attention to what their, their returns are? Are you seeing what M&A transactions that might be happening with them, that there's growth opportunities? Actually following along with the client as they build and grow and get bigger or change. So I'll give you an example. When I, when I was working for Mercedes-Benz, this is back in the, the early 2000s and mid-2000s, we were building customized packages for people. And it was, it might seem silly now, but at the time it was pretty cutting edge because CRM was new, right? And we weren't sure what we were doing. But I'll give you the example was you had a, you leased a C-class Mercedes and we knew that you were a 35 year old single guy or married and you're, you're renting this black C-class Mercedes Benz. Well, in three years, your lease is up. So instead of just sending them a note saying their lease was up, make sure you return your car by this date, we started customizing materials for each person. So 
front of the package on the lease return, here's your black Mercedes C-Class. You open up the, the package, and now that we know you're 38 years old, not 35 years old, maybe you want an E-Class Mercedes instead of a C-Class. You're moving up a step. Maybe we found out you had kids along the way and you need an SUV instead. So we actually opened up and put both of those cars in. And by the way, we put them in with what your new lease payments are because we know you're a valued customer. You've been with the firm or with the company for this one lease period. We want to make sure you're staying on for another. And then the details about you know setting up your appointments and that and that sort of thing. What it did was make people want to stay with the brand. One thing you find in automotive, which is a little different than legal, is the number one reason people change brands is just because they want something different. You don't change your law firm just because you want something different. So what we had to do is actually make that experience more customized to make them feel that they were really part of Mercedes-Benz family. How do you do that in the legal space? Make sure you understand that client, what they're doing, how they're growing. Use your CRM tool to your advantage so that you can track what's going on with them, see where people are moving, if they've moved to different companies, find out who's coming up the pipeline. Make sure if you're the senior level lawyers, make sure you've got your mid-levels and juniors that are all lining up so that that, that client sticks with you all the way through. Building out that experience is, is hugely important for, for firms today if they want to keep their practices. You're really speaking to a fundamental shift in mindset. Because going back to this earlier notion that, well, the client is lucky to work with me. I'm, you know, a, a really smart lawyer. I'm here to provide legal counsel. Frankly, I'm very busy. I've got a lot of hours that I'm billing. So this notion of me carving out non-billable time to research my client, maybe have non-billable conversations with my client about their business yeah. so that I can inform a communication three years from now or whatever it might be that starts to anticipate their needs is a big ask, right? It's a big ask in the context of I'm too busy for this. I shouldn't have to do this. I'm just going to provide great legal counsel and keep building the relationship and the rest of it's going to take care of itself. In that context, the reaction of pushback to managing client experience makes sense. But what you're pointing at, Mark, and I agree with you, is that the marketplace is changing. It's changing in a couple of ways. One, lawyers and other service providers need to be more attentive to their clients if they expect to retain their loyalty in the long haul. And again, parenthetically, let's just remember that clients typically don't fire their service providers, they just slowly stop working with them. And then one day, you know, the lawyer or whoever it is says, whatever happened to ABC company, they used to send us all their work. I guess they just don't have any legal work anymore. Right. No, what happened was they slowly transitioned that work to another firm and just never sent you the memo, right? So this experience of losing the client is actually more common than firms perhaps are willing to acknowledge. But it's all it all comes back to failing to provide a client experience that the client simply would be foolish to leave. And most firms are not taking a proactive stance with that. Right. If we go back to what you initially said, it does sound like a huge ask. But lawyers are very used to using technologies to help them work through their day. If you have a three-year retainer with a, with a company, because that's what the proposal was, you put a tickler in your system that says, 
I better follow up with these guys two years from now or two years and two months from now to make sure they don't do another proposal or we are still high on their radar list of moving forward. You have a marketing department that can be looking after a lot of the research for you or it can be paying attention to things. You can use Google Alerts to have your clients listed so you can see what kind of come, news comes in on them on a daily basis. So there's tools available. It, it sounds like a huge piece at the beginning because if you're going, oh my gosh, I've got hundreds of clients and how do I go and build this out correctly? You do them one at a time and start doing these little pieces so you can actually build out and then you actually will have the information regularly. And you prioritize, right? You start with the top 10 and you move on from there. Exactly. Mark, you've been working in consulting, engineering, other professional services verticals. How do they compare to law when it comes to this topic of CX in your experience? So I would say the engineers are way ahead of the law firms in this area. And I think part of that is because they're more used to asking and working with, we're asking for expertise that's not their own and also asking for interpretation on things. So for example, if you're a bridge engineer and someone asks you to design a road, you say, I don't design roads, I design bridges. Let's talk to my colleague who does design roads and we can we can build that out. So they're less controlling of the client in that sense and more collaborative in how they're doing things. That collaboration allows them to actually get more ingrained into the clients that they have already, build that experience out further because they are willing to let go some of that ego, if you will, to the client to make them feel that they really are part of the team that's going forward with them. I mean, if you think of some of the things engineering companies do from the traditional, let's build a pipeline to the forensic work that has to come in after a, a huge fire in a manufacturing setting, right? I was speaking to a colleague the other day who was dealing with a dentist office who didn't have enough lead in the wall between the receptionist and the x-ray room. They have to, they have a lot of different things that they have to manage, whether it's a small thing like a dentist's office or a multi-billion dollar transaction that they're they're working on. Right. They work, they work with people in a different way. And I think you'll see that the lawyers that are willing to give up a little bit of that control will actually be better off for it. Well, that's a a, a great note to end on. And I, I really appreciate you sharing some of your thoughts so that our listeners are, are better off for it and, and sharing your, your insights from uh, other professional services disciplines to see what we can apply perhaps with more rigor in the context of client experience in law firms. Mark, I, I really appreciate your thoughts. Great. Thank you, David. It's been fun. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit PipelinePlus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.